Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Today I want to talk to you about what God says about the family. You know, I'm Gen X, so I got my Bible and I got my iPad. And so I've lived in this uh, change of technology, one foot in the way it was before and uh, one foot in the way it is today. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember that if you wanted to see cartoons, you had to get up at Saturday morning or you missed them. You remember those days? Uh, there was no Nickelodeon. There was no Cartoon Network. There certainly wasn't anything like this. If you wanted to play a video game, you would play Pac-Man. And this little thing that ate dots was really cool back then. Uh, yeah, times have changed, certainly. Um, today, I want to talk to you about uh, From God, For God. This is the last message of our series. We've talked about time. We've talked about giving. And today, we talk about the family. We talk about the home. Uh, you know, the landscape of our culture has changed so much. I mean, you think about it. Uh, if you go back prior to 1940, if you go back to before the industrialization of, of our country, life was simple on the farm. And, you know, on the farm, everything was simple. You know, uh, dad owned property and he farmed for a living. His dad did the same. His dad did the same. His dad did the same. And so as you grew up, you kind of knew what to expect. You kind of knew what you was, you know, looking forward to. But if you think about the last hundred years, uh, each generation that is alive now, none of them have grown up the same. You think about that. None of them have grown up the same. Uh, there is a radio generation. I call it the radio generation. They grew up listening to the radio. Shh, be quiet, I'm listening to this. Then there's the TV generation. Hey, come back later, my favorite show is on. Okay? And then there is, hey, how you doing? Uh, we've all got our things, so let's not pick on any certain, certain group. But, but I want, want you, what I want you to realize is the landscape of our culture has changed so much. That's why each generation can be defined by the times in which they grew up. Uh, but what I want you to realize is the challenge to build a marriage, to raise a family, to, to have a godly home, that has always been tough, regardless of the variables, regardless of the culture, regardless of the circumstances. Matter of fact, the most recent study I could find, if you want to fact check me, you can, lifewayresearch.com or org, but uh, Lifeway Research, uh, as recent as 2016. And keep in mind, good research is usually two or three years behind the times because, you know, they're collecting all that data, they're analyzing all that data, and they can't just give it to us, you know, as of yesterday. But in 2016, they had interviewed several um, Protestant church-going parents who had raised their kids in church. And here's what they found. They found that most church-going Protestant parents of young adults say their kids grew up to be Christians. But when they began to have more uh, specific questions to these parents, they found out that only about half of these young adults actually live out their Christian faith. And so the ultimate question was, how come? What went wrong? What can we do differently? Uh, the biggest factor that they found that predicted a young adult's walk with God was this right here. Whether or not they read the Bible regularly as children. 
How about that? The biggest predictor, according to LifeWay Research, when a young adult, when they, when they grow up in church as a kid and they become a young adult, and they're still committed to Christ and they're still committed to the church, the number one predictor of that is they read the Bible as kids. Now, that's what the challenge is. Uh, I don't know about you. We could talk about 10 different tricks and tips and hacks and all those different things that we like to read about on the Internet. But I'm going to give you one thing, one thing today, and that is what that is right there, reading the Bible as kids. You know, I, I'm guilty of this. You know, as a, uh, as a parent, you, um, you, um, you, you read to your kids, and then when they get older, you kind of let them go. Um, and then, you know, as a, as an adult, I'm, I'm a, I'm a late night person. And so they go to bed and then I may read my Bible or something. And I've heard parents say before, it's important for your kids to see you, uh, reading the Bible. And that is certainly true modeling it. It got me to thinking about what does the Bible actually say about, you know, parenting and about raising kids to live a godly life. And I want to give these verses to you quick, um, I want to go to uh, Psalm 127, verse 3. Particularly the King James rendering of this says that children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is His reward. In other words, all children are a blessing from God. Isn't that right? There are no accidents. There might be surprises. Okay? I knew a pastor one time, Brother Don, and he said uh, he, said he had two sons. He, one was 41 and one was 40. And then he said, and I also have a daughter, 20 years old. And everybody went, ooh, you know. And uh, he said she was a surprise. Uh, there are no accidents, but there are certainly surprises. Uh, all children are a heritage from God. They are a blessing from God. Malachi 2.15. Malachi 2.15, it emphasizes the the importance of marriage, how God hates divorce and all that. But what I want you to see here is this. In Malachi 2.15, didn't God make them one, referring to husband and wife, and give them a portion of His Spirit? And what is, the, what is He seeking? He's seeking godly offspring. Did you catch that? There's a question and answer in that verse. What is God seeking from uh, a husband and wife? What is God seeking from uh, them? He's, he's seeking godly offspring. In other words, when God blesses you with kids, He wants you to raise them up to be godly young men and women. And that's exactly what He wants. Uh, one more verse there in Psalm 78. In Psalm 78, we have very clear instructions on what we are to do. It says, My people, hear my instruction. Listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past, things we have heard and known, and that our fathers have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, His might, and the wondrous works He's performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which He commanded our fathers to teach to their children, so that a future generation... Children yet to be born might know. They were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works but keep His commands. Not once but twice it talks about what our fathers have passed down to us. There in verse 3 and then of course in verse 5 He commands fathers to teach their children. And so we have a mandate as men and we have a mandate as parents 
to raise up our children and teach them about the Lord and talk about the Lord and point them toward the Lord. And that is so important. And we can't outsource that, you know. In a world where we're used to outsourcing everything, we send our kids to school to get an education. Uh, we send them to a sports team to, to learn how to play ball and this, that, and the other. You know, we go and they get their hunter safety course and they learn how to handle the gun and all of that. I mean, you could just think of all the endless things that we do as parents. We take our kids to this, we take our kids to that. But just taking your kids to church, even though that's a good thing, that by itself is not enough, okay? It's kind of like taking a, a, a vitamin every day for your health. That's a good thing, right? But if that's all you do for your health, you don't exercise, you don't watch what you eat, you just pop that, that, that multivitamin and go, hey, I'm, I'm living pretty healthy. That is not enough. That is a supplement. But that is not the main focus. Obviously, coming to church is a good thing, and we should do it. And it helps support our, our testimony, and it helps support our spiritual growth. But if we don't spend time with God one-on-one -on -one regularly and consistently, we're missing the mark. And that's what I want you to hear. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 24. They sang about it a while ago. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, I've been, I've been to many a home where they had a scripture ornament of some kind. Sometimes it's actually on the front door. And it's, and it's uh, Joshua 24, verse 15, where it says, As for me... And my house, we will serve the Lord. But I want you to look at Joshua 24. And to give you a little bit of background here, Joshua was the, the leader of Israel who followed Moses. Now, let me tell you something. That was not easy to do. Moses met with God face to face. Moses went on a mountain and received the Ten Commandments. Moses, he, he saw God's glory. Moses... When God took him, nobody knew where he, he was. I mean, Moses had such a close walk with God. He was a spiritual giant of a man when it came to the, being the leader of Israel. And so nobody would want to follow him as the next you know, in command. But God called Joshua. And God told Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you and now here we are at the end of his book joshua 24 and joshua is realizing the magnitude of the moment he knows that his time is up he's about to to go home and be with god and he's concerned about these people that he's led for several years and so he begins to remind them of how good god is and all the things god has done for them and he ultimately leads them to renew their covenant their commitment to god and i'm not going to read the whole chapter but just verses 13 14 and 15 he is quoting what what god has done for them in verse 13 uh, god is saying to them i gave you a land that you did not labor for and cities that you did not build in other words, when God led them out of Egypt, remember he ultimately led them into the promised land. He gave them that land, okay? They, they received that land that they didn't work for. They enjoyed living in these cities of which they did not build. And he says, and though you live in them, you're eating from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. Therefore, fear the Lord 
and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods. That's little g, the idols. Get rid of the gods or the idols your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship the Lord. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which will you worship. The gods your father worshiped beyond the Euphrates River or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living? As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. And you know what? That still echoes to us today. Um, Joshua highlights three decisions in that, in that passage that I just read that I want to focus on very quickly. The first decision was, look at what God has done. Matter of fact, if you read the first 12 verses of Joshua 24, he highlights... In, in, in very broad strokes, all the things God had done. He called Abraham and Isaac, and he did this, and he did that. And then ultimately, he gave them the promised land. He promised it to them, and now he gave it to them. And he fought every battle, and he gave them the land. He gave them the cities. He gave them the olive groves and the vineyards. And all of these things to experience, to enjoy, God did that for them. Now, here we are hundreds of years later, and we're 2,000 years past the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've gotten something even more precious to point to, don't we? We can look at the cross and say, look at what God has done for us. He loved us so much that He sent His Son to die on that cross for each and every one of you. He did that. So look at what God has done for you. That's the first decision you need to think about. I think so many times people just sort of, they're not thinking about God. They've got other plans. They're focused on other things. And so they just don't even think about it. Well, before you dismiss God, before you get distracted and think about something else, consider that He is real. Consider that He is God. Consider that He loves you. And He proved it when He died on that cross 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead. Okay, And so consider what God has done before you walk away from that. The second thing I want you to see as a decision is Joshua told the people, get rid of your gods. Or to put it in our modern vernacular, get rid of your idols. Get rid of your idols. Now I could preach a long time on this and I don't have time to do that. I like what... Um, I think Jerry Falwell said this years ago, Brother Don, he told every preacher at a conference, go back home and preach on sin. And he says, they'll amen you until you start naming it. Isn't that right? When you start saying sin is this and sin is that, before it's all said and done, every single one of us is going to be guilty. Every single one of us is going to go, I've done that. Uh, God here tells us, get rid of your idols. If we're going to embrace God, if we're going to focus on God, if we're going to seek Him, then we've got to get rid of all those things that distract us, all of those things that turn our chin away from Him. And we've got to get rid of our idols. They had to do it, and we have to do it. And then a third decision that you see in this passage that I read in Joshua 24 is draw a line in the sand and choose who you will serve. I think sometimes we just have to make a decision. And here Joshua knew that they needed to make a decision. And he says, it's time for you to draw a line in the sand and make a choice. Who are you going to serve? You will serve someone. You're going to. 
how you spend your time, how you spend your money, the things you focus on, the things that capture your attention. You are going to serve someone. You're going to serve something. Why shouldn't it be God? Why shouldn't it be Him? We, we are to give Him all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love Him with all of our being. Draw a line in the sand and choose who you will serve. Notice that He mentioned there in uh, verse 15. He said, um, If it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, then choose for yourselves today which will you worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River. In other words, going back, uh, crossing the river, going to Egypt, is that the way you want to live? Or, what, what else does he say? He also says, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. In other words, he was looking back and he was looking at the present. He says, do you want to live the way they did when they were in Egypt? Do you want to live like these people whose land that you have now claimed as a gift from God on your own? Or do you want to serve the Lord? And obviously, Joshua uh, made his choice. He said, as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Dads, let me say something to you. You are the spiritual leader of the home. Maybe you need to pray real hard and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then draw a line in the, stand, in the sand and say, hey, we will serve the Lord. And don't demand it, but lead toward it. Okay? Lead toward it. Uh, be the example. Show them the way. I think the key question here today is this. How can we lead our families to follow Jesus? I mean, that's ultimately the question. How can we lead our families to follow Jesus? And I've got three more points very quickly, and I want you to turn, if you're in Joshua, I want you to turn right before Joshua is Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's not far. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this passage of Scripture... Uh, they had a special name for it. The Hebrews did, the Jewish people. They called it the Shema. Uh, this particular passage of Scripture was, was shared with all families. They considered it, uh, you know, a very good practice for you to know what this said and to put it into practice. And so Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4, uh, God is speaking to His people. He says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. So what are we saying here? How do we lead our family to follow Jesus? I'm going to give you three things real quickly based on this passage in Deuteronomy 6. Number one, invest in the relationship, okay? Invest in the relationship. Josh McDowell, a well-known youth pastor a generation ago, he did extensive research and he says, you know what we found? The crisis that we found in the home today when it comes to parents that come to church and live one way and then they go and they live another way and that faith is not passed on to the next generation because the younger generation doesn't see the walk and talk match with mom and dad he says what we have found is this rules without relationship lead to rebellion okay rules without relationship lead to rebellion 
So what does this tell you? The very first thing you have to, it's, it's implicit in this passage. It doesn't directly say it, but it's, it, it's colored all in this passage in Deuteronomy 6, particularly in verse 7 when he says these words that are to be in your heart, you need to repeat them to your children. And then he gives scenarios. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along, along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Doesn't that kind of cover every conceivable activity you could do when you get up in the morning, when you go to bed, when you're sitting around the house, when you're going along to the next place that you're going to? In other words, invest in the relationship. Spend time nurturing that relationship, not just for this moment, not for a specific goal, but for a lifetime. You know, when I look at different passages in the Bible, one of the things that really sticks to me the most is Job. You, you remember Job. There's a whole book in the Bible about Job. And uh, God said that there was no other guy on earth like him. He was blameless. He was upright. He was truly a righteous man. And if you look at Job's life there at the very beginning of Job, you will find that he was a very compassionate and caring father. Matter of fact, he was a grown man. His kids were all grown and had families of their own. And he still would come to God with a sacrifice, praying for his grown children lest they had sinned against God. Now just let that soak in for a minute. In other words, you know, how many times did you, you hear from a parent, when you get 18, you're on your own. Well, in a sense, that could be true. When you're 18, legally, you can be on your own, okay? You can actually vote when you turn 18, you know? Uh, but here's the thing I want you to see. You might get grown someday and turn 18 years old, or 19, or 20, or 21, or 25, and just keep adding it up. It'll go by pretty fast. But what I want you to understand is this. You always have a mama and daddy who loves you. And you ought to have a mom and daddy who loves you. And you know what? Uh, parents, even when they get grown, and then they leave, and then when they come back, they bring more, right? But when they grow up, you're still caring about them. You're still concerned about them. You're still praying for them. You're still praying that they'll become that man of God, that woman of God that God wants them to be. And Job is a model of that. No wonder God said he was a uprighteous man there's no one on earth like him he invested in the relationship and you know no matter what season you're in we're in basketball season no matter what stage you're in you know we've got a teen and a preteen uh just take the time to focus on that relationship play long ball uh, don't look at just your calendar for this week but consider for the rest of their life, what are the things that I can start doing now and consistently start doing to let them know I care and invest in that relationship? Uh, what I have to say to you here in a moment, uh, if you don't do number one, forget everything else. Because if you just want to tell your kids what they did wrong and they should know better and they need to grow up and they need to get with the program and they need to get over it, and you're not willing to invest in the relationship, then it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So number one, invest in the relationship. Number two, invite them to participate 
in faith conversations and practices, okay? Invite them to participate in faith conversations and practices. That's exactly what Deuteronomy uh, 6, verse 7 is talking about. Again, repeat these things to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, make this a natural part of your everyday life. It should be as natural as breathing. You don't even think about it. Just start sharing something from God's Word. Pray for your kids. Have discussions about things. You don't have to be a Bible expert. You don't have to be a teacher. But you simply have to start opening your mouth and start talking about your faith. Talk about your faith with your kids and have those conversations. Weave them into your everyday rhythms and your weekly rhythms as a family. And take time to pray together. Take time to read God's Word together. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be drawn out. But spend a little bit of time doing that regularly and consistently. And then number three, influence them through prayer. Influence them through prayer. Again, that is not directly in this text, but as I mentioned Job earlier, uh, here he was a grown man with grown kids, and he was still praying for his children. If there's one thing I know about my, my grandfather growing up, I knew that he would go to his bedroom every night before he went to bed, and he would get down on his knees and he would pray. And you know how I know that, Brother Don? Because when I was knee-high to a grasshopper, one time I was nosy. And I, I snuck in his room, and I, and, and I hid, and I was proud of myself. And he come in there, and he didn't know I was there. And then I'm like, how long am I going to have to be in here before I can sneak out without getting caught? Uh, it's always an adventure to just be, be still and go, how long before he goes to sleep? Is he really asleep? How much longer do I stay here? But anyway, I learned very quickly that my, my grandfather... He prayed, and he prayed for his kids. He prayed for his family. And you know what? We would do wise to do the same. You know, I can't, I can't promise anything up here. All I can say is God has called us to lead our homes, to lead our families. It's the most precious resource we have. And so I want to encourage you today, uh, if you walk away from this, just remember that one stat that Life We Research said. What's the greatest predictor of young adults today being in the church and focused on their walk with Christ? It wasn't that they were brought to church when they were kids, even though that's part of it and that's important. The biggest predictor was this. They read their Bible as children. They read their Bible as children. And so parents, let's lead the way on that. Let's model that. Let's put that into practice. Let's, let's read a story from Scripture. Let's talk about our faith. Let's pray out our faith. Let's live out our faith. And it won't be perfect, but let's consistently try to model that every day in, in, in our lives and in our homes. And let's trust God with the results. This morning... I want to ask you where you are in your walk with God. When you look at everything He's done, God so loved you that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you. Look at what God has done for you. Maybe today you need to get rid of all the stuff in your life that's pulling you away from the Lord. Maybe you need to draw a line in the sand and you need to say, as for me, I'm going to follow Jesus. 
I want you to know that here in a moment we're fixing to have an invitation. And this is your time to in indicate that. But I want to encourage you that if you've never took that first step to realize that God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. He lived the life that you and I should have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. He died in our place. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And now He offers the gift of eternal life to anybody who comes and trusts and follows Him. Won't you do that today? Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.